This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we have an exclusive interview with the president of Bates College, Clayton Spencer. The men's basketball team picked up a win over St. Joseph's, and we get the inside scoop on the Bobcats from assistant coach and assistant athletic director Tommy Verdell. That's coming up on the Bates Bobcast. After taking their final exams, the Bates men's basketball team visited Standish on Sunday and defeated St. Joseph's 68-58 behind 15 points and 5 rebounds from Marcus Telpesh and 11 points apiece from Malcolm Delpesh and Quinn Leary. We sat down with assistant athletic director and assistant men's basketball coach Tommy Verdell to get an update on the program as they head into winter break. Coach mentioned this to the team and I, I agree with him wholeheartedly that our first practice after finals, we only had one practice going into the game. Normally, that's a very difficult practice, the stress from finals, not having really played that much ball. But that practice was one of the best practices in my, you know, I've been here three years as an assistant coach in some capacity with base basketball. That was definitely the best one by far I've seen. And it really carried over into the game on a Sunday. It was weird playing on a Sunday, but on Sunday, yeah. So, I mean, that really led to our having our success in that game. I, I, and that speaks a lot about our team um, and where we are as a team. Because if you look at some other scores that took place this week, kids and teams coming off of finals, there were a lot of upsets there. And, you know, that was a big game for St. Joe's and not the, not being a NESCAC school and being at circled on their calendar, you know, they we got their best efforts. So to come out on top by one or 10 points, <laughs> you know, we're happy with the, with our effort in that game. Yeah, this team right now, six and three on the year, you know, a solid start to the season, certainly. But you look at it as a coach, like, oh, man, you could be eight and one, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, and then, I mean, geez, maybe we could be even, you know, have fewer wins if some plays don't go, you know, like right. it. But, I mean, we look through it through our lens, um, and yes, definitely. I mean, the Colby game, we think about, I mean, that was one of the craziest games I've ever been involved with. Just some of the plays, the four point play in the first half kind of really turned the whole complexion of the game around. Um, and we, and it just, it just, it was just weird from that point forth. And like you said, the sales, the first game of the year and stuff, but I mean, it is what it is. We are who we are and we are what your record says we are. But I think that we've, our goal has been to progressively get better every single day and for the most part, I think that's happened. You know, we've had a couple of days, obviously, where we've taken a step back in practice or a game. But I think what really shows in this team is our resiliency and our commitment to each other that we take that step forward or two steps forward if we do take one step backwards. Great. And then uh, you're a guy who's coached many great talents. You've coached in the D-League previously. So when you look at the Del Pesh twins, what makes them such special players in your opinion? Uh, I mean, first of all, the – what they can do defensively, not just blocking shots, but being able to guard multiple positions on the perimeter and on the block is um, is a blessing and a gift for us as a team. Uh, it lets us have a lot of versatility on what we want to do defensively. And offensively, they've developed. It's weird because I was involved in recruiting them, and then I never got to coach them, you know, because I went to I was I got a job at a different school and stuff. So now this is my first year actually coaching them, even though I was back last year watching, yeah. not coaching. So for me, it's my first time working with them. So they're very coachable. They want to get better. They're, there's a hunger to to learn as much as they can about the game, and I think 
to be honest with you, the play that Malcolm made in yesterday's game speaks for them, for both of them. Um, it happened in front of our bench. He, um, I forget exactly what happened, but I, mean, I think he went for the for a score or whatever. Maybe got fouled, didn't get fouled, didn't get the call, basically. All right, so then basically he made a decision. Like, you know, like getting back on transition defense after a call doesn't go your way. You know, you never know what's going to happen. But everybody on the bench was like, you know, get back, get back. We were encouraging him to get back, so we got the matchup. He sprints back. We get back into a half-court five-on-five matchup. Now he's involved in creating a turnover that leads to transition, and he sprints back the other way, fills the lane, gets the ball, and finishes, gets fouled, knocks down the free throws. And when your best players are doing that, that effort and energy is contagious. And that's the kind of effort and energy that they don't only just play with, but they practice with that as well. And then obviously they're the headliners, but who are some other players who have really stood out, at least maybe to you this year? Yes, I mean, um, I think, like, listen, you can't have good post players if you don't have good perimeter players. Because if we can't do stuff on the perimeter, you could take away the post players. So one person I know, like, for me personally, I remember him when he was in high school and playing at AAU. And, and even though I wasn't here at Johnson, I mean, I wasn't here at base. I was at Johnson at the time. Bush and I are, like, brothers. And I was telling him, like, I see this kid and stuff. So that, that kid would be um, Max Hummel. You know, I mean, I, he's really stepped up. Um, with his, you know, we all know he could shoot the ball, but guess what? You have to make him in the games, too. And he's making shots in the game. He's been um, a good team defender. You know, he's been, he's been you know, active, active defensively helping us, you know, get stops and leading to transition and stuff. Um, and so that, I think, has been a little bit of a pleasant surprise. I think we got more out of him than we thought we were going to get out of him. Um, the freshman... Nick Gilpin and Tom Coyne have both been playing well, you know, solidifying the backcourt. And that's been very important because we've been down Sean Strickland, who's been who's got hurt and he and he hasn't been playing for us. So we needed guys to step up um, and fill those voids in the backcourt and to see the maturation and growth of uh, Jerome Darling as well. Like having watched him play last year and then now working with him and coaching him and watching him grow, not just it's not from a scoring standpoint, like he could score last year, but just understanding the game, getting guys in the right spots where they need to be, the defensive effort as well. And to see like, you know, guys who other guards, like maybe you don't always see it in the game. They're not getting as many minutes, but a, a kid like Eli Frader, when he gets in there, you know, he's making things happen, you know, um, Justin Zakowski, when he gets in there, he's bringing energy and effort. Connor McLeod, a senior who's been with the program for a long time and, and, you know, making the contributions. Like, that's the thing about our team is that we have great versatility and we've really been trying to tell the guys, like, listen, we don't even know maybe sometimes when we're going to call upon you, but please be ready so that when you get the call, you can bring the skill set that we need to the game so that it, it makes a positive impact on the game. What's the biggest key, you think, for this team to have a strong NESCAC campaign? Because obviously it all comes down to conference play in terms of positioning in the NESCAC championship. Yes, I mean, that's definitely – that's you're not that's 100% truth <laughs> like like where we are in our season six and three I mean most people be like that's not bad this or that but like the reality is is that the league play is going to determine if we how many games we can add to our season as right. we move forward and the league as always top to bottom is just rugged um, I think for us it's just about focusing on what our, our focuses have been all season long and not changing that really uh, working to get better every single day 
um, smoothing things out on offense, which takes time because, you know, as you know, we start a little bit behind these other schools. So we start playing games with less practice time. And then once the season starts, it's like just all hell breaks loose. <laughs> <You> just, <laughs> it's just, you know, it just goes downhill quickly. But um, I, And I think we're there because I think we have a bunch of guys that are receptive to coaching. I know us as our staff, we're, we're really trying to be very critical and, and self-analyzing ourselves to see, like, how can we get better and then trying to bring that to our team. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think that it's no secret. I mean, everybody can see all of our games. Offensively, we have our best success when we're out using our strength running and you know, getting up the getting up the floor quickly getting as many easy baskets as possible because when you play against any good college basketball team if they get back and get set it's going to be hard to score mm -hmm. and the way the rules are set up nowadays if you can't score I don't care how good you are defensively you can't win <laughs> so that's a key and then in NESCAC play and really all division three games defending the three is a key um, because, you know, just what I talked about, about scoring. So we want to try to hold them back from scoring. And that's been a point of emphasis that we've been working on this year uh, defensively. And just focusing on those two things and just trying to get better and hopefully getting some guys back. We've been, right. been shorthanded like all year. I mean, like, you know, another one of our freshmen, Jeff Spellman, I mean, he's a hell of a player, and nobody's even seen him play yet, you know. And, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Nick Lynch. He's been in and out. Um, and there's – talk maybe that maybe Strickland will be back at some point so you know we have a lot of a lot of stuff to look forward to and we already are playing about 10 11 guys with versatility right. if we could add a couple more parts I think that's one of our niches this year is that we can change who we are for the better for us not because we can't match up but we can dictate some matchups like we're going to play this way against this team and they have to adjust and change to us at least that's the blueprint let's see <laughs> let's see what happens in our reality the men's basketball team will get to spend the holidays with their families before they head to the Big Apple for the NYU Men's Basketball Classic. They take on Farmingdale State on Thursday, December 29 at 7 o'clock before battling Framingham State on Friday, December 30 at 7 o'clock. The women's basketball team welcomed WPI to town on Monday and outscored the engineers in three of the four quarters of action. But a dominating third quarter propelled WPI to a 51-44 win over the Bobcats. Bates played without leading scorer Nina Davenport and first-year Kelly Kennedy due to injury. Lise Henshaw led the way for Bates with a game-high 18 points. The Bobcats are back in action on Thursday, December 29, when they visit Salem State University to take on MIT in the Salem State Holiday Classic at 1 o'clock. One of the biggest basketball fans on campus happens to be the president of Bates College, Clayton Spencer. She joined the Bobcast for this exclusive interview about a wide range of topics. Joined by the president of Bates College, Clayton Spencer, to talk a little Bobcat athletics here on the Bobcast. And President Spencer, first of all, you are the faculty liaison for the men's basketball team, and you have been for a few years now. What's that experience been like for you, kind of, you know, getting to know the players and whatnot? It's been amazing. For instance, the Del Pesh twins, I met them when they were seniors in high school up here on their Bates visit. So I have been following their career, watching them just get better and better. I'm very psyched about where they are. Now, the second thing to know is these boys eat. I had him to my house, and I had Christine Schwartz helped me with this, the head of dining. I had him make literally basketball court-size pans of lasagna. And what if they didn't eat three full pans over the course of an evening? And that's pretty amazing. Um, and I just love watching them. Uh, I just was at the game 
that rigged game that we lost against Colby by one point. I'm not going to even comment, not at all, on some of the calls in that game. But let's just say we're going to be back for revenge against Colby uh, right after the break. Sounds like a plan. And you mentioned the Elpest Twins being off to like a, you know, a great start this year. Obviously, two years ago, they made the NCAA tournament to the team. Last year, a tough season. But this year, they got lots of home games in January. So how, are you, how excited are you for a potential like, you know, a bounce-back season for these guys? I am super excited. They're doing great. I mean, that Colby game could have obviously gone either way. Um, and the Twins are looking fantastic. Jerome Darling is playing great. Sean Strickland, I'm sorry to say, is out at the moment with some kind of boot on his leg. Not sure what the injury is, but I hope we'll see him back. But people are really stepping up. Max Hummel's stepping up. Eli Frater had some good playing time last time. Nick Gilpin. So um, I, I think we're going to have a fantastic season, and uh, I plan to be in the NCAA Final Eight. All right. Wow. You heard it here first. But um, let's talk about something that's going on that's, I think, kind of interesting. You know, the, you're on the search committee for our new athletic director with Kevin McHugh uh, stepping down here at the end of the spring sports season coming up. And so what's that search been like so far being on the committee? So we have just put the, the committee together, written a, a position description, and hired a search firm. So let me mention a few things about the committee. We got several coaches, several really great student-athletes, um, several faculty members and some key athletic staff. It's chaired by the dean of the faculty and the dean of students, so Matt Auer and Josh McIntosh. So we got a lot of firepower on that committee. And people are very psyched. Um, the athletics program under Kevin McHugh has just moved up, like up the escalator. And the whole point of this search is to build on the strength that Kevin built during his 10 years here and just take us on up even to the next level. So people are very psyched. We hired Parker, which is the search firm in this space. They've done tons of different searches, um, both Division I and Division Three. lots of work for NESCAC. Um, and they really know the pools of candidates. They know what they're doing. So it's actually a really fun experience. And for you personally, what characteristics are you looking for in a new athletic director? So I think we want to keep some of Kevin's really strong relational characteristics. He is super supportive of the coaches. He goes to all the games. He's seen everywhere. We want somebody who's going to um, vote with their feet in that same way and support their coaches. We also want somebody who can take a long view and say, okay, five to ten years out, where do I want this program? What am I going to have to do to get it there? What, I'm, what am I going to have to do organizationally? What am I going to have to do in terms of the way assistant coaches are recruited and compensated? What do I need from the college by way of resources and other kinds of support to take this program to the next level. Great, great. And speaking of new hires, you know, Bates recently did hire a pair of new coaches, including Michaela Holland for Alpine Skiing and John Martin for baseball. Michaela is a Bates alum, and then as are, as are a few of our other coaches. So what does it say about Bates that, you know, we have alums eager to come back and, you know, coach the team? I think it's fantastic. And obviously, one of the things any, any liberal arts college is looking for, any campus community, is the question of fit. So you know that if somebody's played here and is coming back, that they're, that's pulling at their heartstrings. They're going to get our culture. 
They're going to know that athletics is more than wins and losses and on the courts. Wins and losses are important. I want our athletes to have a successful experience. They're going to have a richer experience the more successful they are. So I want to emphasize that. But they're first and foremost students, and they're all taking rigorous course loads. And the coaches who've been at Bates, they get that. They wrote that thesis while maintaining their athletic commitments. So I love that model. Let's just go outside of athletics for a moment. You know, we're headed towards 2017 now. Uh, what are some of your biggest goals for the college in general this upcoming year? Sure. Well, our, the first big goal we've already passed by, which is um, we've been working for two years on an institutional planning process to generate a set of academic facilities, financial, and other priorities for the college that was worked on by the whole community. We had 79 people, students, faculty, and staff, working in working groups. That was passed unanimously by the faculty in October and then passed unanimously by the Board of Trustees. So from that institutional plan, we can peel off the set of priorities that are gonna guide us in our upcoming capital campaign. So I've spent a lot of time this year meeting with some of our closest in inner circle of donors to lock down the set of commitments that will enable us to set an ambitious goal for the campaign and move the college forward from a fundraising point of view. So that's very exciting. Then more closer to home, um, two years ago we raised the money for 19 million in total for six new faculty chairs and three of those were in, designed to start a program in digital and computational studies. So right now we're actually engaged in the search for the first leader of digital and computational studies. And we've had some strong candidates. I'm very optimistic about that. So that's really good progress. Um, and then purposeful work continues to be a very distinctive approach to the whole question of preparing our students for life and work. This year we were up to 248 internships paid either by the college or employers. So that's giving a lot of our students fantastic experience across a broad range of fields. We are teaching practitioners taught courses in short term and in general taking a very mission-based developmental approach to preparing our students for life and work and social contribution that is just going to, I think, increasingly strengthen the power of a degree from Bates. Great. And then, you know, back to athletics for our last question here. You kind of touched on this earlier, but what's the next step you see the athletic department specifically maybe needing to take to continue to make progress and not just, you know, stand still in, in terms of, you know, wins and losses and other areas of athletics in terms of success, you know, on and off the field for our student athletes? Well, I think whoever's listening to this Bobcast will probably be relieved to know that I'm not in charge of athletic <laughs> strategy. Right. That would not be a good thing. <laughs> Um, so the next step for us is to hire a fantastic athletics director and then work with that person on taking the program to the next level. And I sure as hell hope that person has a lot more knowledge of what he's trying to do or she's trying to do than I ever would sitting here. But that's the really exciting thing. The way to make progress at an institution is to get the right leaders in the right seats and then get their creativity going with the existing strengths, seeing the areas where we have gaps, and I realize that's a pretty abstract answer, but that's, um, that's I think, the right way to think about this. So stay tuned. We'll hopefully announce a really exciting athletics director this spring, 
and then it'll be off to the races. All right, President Clayton Spencer, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. The Bobcast is taking a couple weeks off, but we'll be back on Tuesday, January 10, with a full recap of everything you want to know about Bates Athletics. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates! Bates!